1: Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film Podcast. This week it's a bit of an extra. I'm joined by uh, Jack Howard. Hello. Hello, Jack. We we said we'd do a little kind of a Christmas extra. We give it's the season of giving, and we've decided, <laughs> decided to give to our listeners in the way that only we can. And we
2: don't expect anything in return.
1: Well, I do. I expect oh, right. yes, I expect them to tell all their friends. Oh yeah, and, sure. No, know, well that goes on sound. Numbers, I mean. numbers, numbers, you know, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Um, but we decided that we would do a little Christmas extra, a little a little stocking filler of favorite christmas movies mm. now this is a subject in which i am horribly well versed so do you want to go first or do you want me to leap in
2: i think leap in if you okay. think you have something to say all
1: right so hands down no question absolutely indisputable best christmas movie ever is it's a wonderful life
2: i of course and if we're going to be boring right oh we th- could...
1: thank you so that's an important no, so that wasn't a...
2: no yeah, i was gonna say if we're gonna be boring we can say we can sit here and be like right okay let's try and pick a top 3 and and try and, and and obviously that's number 1 but i reckon we should try and not include it's a wonderful life and have it as the undisputed champion okay obviously but, all right
1: but before we put it out of the way can we just quickly do why it of is of course we can okay. yes so the most important thing for me and i bore everybody to tears with this is the whole thing about it's a wonderful life is it is a feel good movie which for a large part of the narrative involves somebody's life falling apart to the point that they want to commit suicide. Yes. And everyone's memory of it, you know, uh, the critics at the time were very sniffy about it and said, oh, it's sentimental and it's schmaltzy and it's Capricorn and all that kind of nonsense. And of course it isn't, it, it's actually really, really dark. And everyone remembers every time a bell rings an angel gets its wings and mm. all that. of so what they forget about is the absolute despair of George Bailey. And I remember that when um, uh, Trump was elected, somebody put up a picture of um, uh, you know, of the Bedford Falls uh, sign replaced by you know the positive and, so, and it was and it, that was exactly what it was. It's like oh we've suddenly moved into the alternate version, the world in which George Bailey isn't there as a decent human being, so his brother dies yeah. and the town is taken over by a Mr. Potter and uh, <laughs> you know and 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 it's all horrible and evil and what we actually want is Bedford Falls back. And I li- I literally remember thinking that the the day after Trump was elected. I, they've taken bed I yeah, must be living in to...
2: someone's weird little dream fantasy that yeah. an angel showing them so it'll probably be over soon and I
1: want Clarence <laughs> to come and speak to me and say look it's okay You know, <laughs> I'm going to click my fingers and it will all be finished it's all
2: going to go away
1: so I love I love the dogs I absolutely love the performances I I love the fact that I did a program uh, the Six of Cinema program some time ago um, that I co-wrote with Kim Newman and Nick who's producing this and Kim came up with this theory which I agree with which is that all the great Christmas movies are a riff on uh, a Christmas carol. And I said, Okay, well, wow. how how is wonderful life a riff on Christmas Carol? And he said, Well, it's simple, isn't it? It's you know, it's the alternate versions of the uh, past, present, and future invol invoking ghosts. Basically, ghosts come down to show somebody what the world could be like if they were you know, related to it in a different way. It's just, it's the it's the antithesis that in this case, Clarence comes down to show George Bailey what the world would be like if he wasn't just the decent, honest, truthful man, as opposed to the ghosts of Christmas past, present and future coming down to show Scrooge what the world will be like if he doesn't change. But the the thesis is the same because it ends up with the, the Christmas family hug and everything, you know, because people realise that there is value in stuff other than just money. And of course, the punchline of It's a Wonderful Life is everyone comes around and pays off the lost money mm-hmm. which which is just so ridiculously moving i because,
2: just i also just like so did you want to finish
1: no you know, just to say that I'm, i i can't watch it without descending into tears but i don't think it's sentimental or i think it's sentimental in a really good way exactly just, yeah
2: which is part of what i was going to say is that i think it's a wonderful thing that it's a movie that celebrates the life of one person and how important they are to the lives of many yes. and they could have picked anybody um in a way to show them how much of an impact how much of a butterfly effect they've had on other people's lives without maybe them appreciating that um and i think that there's no better thing at christmas i think that the scrooge story obviously being told you need to change otherwise things will go bad for you yes but i think that the catharticism of i don't know if that's a word catharsis (laughs) just catharsis will do fine but you know we'll have catharticism from now on (laughs) I think we should all subscribe to that. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, the the the, uh, the cathartic nature of being told, "No, you are a good person and you have value and mm-hmm. you are worth sticking. It's worth sticking around," is it? It is. It's it's sentimental, but in a really good way. Well, it's
1: the ultimate triumph of the everyman. It's the point is that what is brilliant about him is that he is an ordinary everyman, and that's it. And that's mm. a, and that's what people, you know, people got all. For, I mean, actually, some people thought that. Uh, when when it's Wonderful Life first came out, it was accused of being, you know, proto communist. People said, "Oh, you should look into." This. I mean, there was, you know, there was literally people's very serious thing. You should look into this. this oh is, wow. this, is, this is all communist. This being nice thing—that's <laughs> all communists, you know. And uh, and it, yeah, I, I I do think it's one of those films like Shawshank Redemption that, that that has discovered. I mean, Wonderful Life became a Christmas movie staple as a result of its TV screenings. So it was people found it on television, and I mean, I, I can't, get, I couldn't possibly go through a Christmas without watching it, and I
2: because I think it is. My mom has been very specific this year about that we're all going to sit and watch it. And I was like, okay. Uh, So I'm I'm like, I'm like holding off when I go back because she wants it to be a family thing. And I'm way down for that. That sounds great. No, it's just absolutely ironic.
0: Hello, who's this? Oh, Mr. Welch. Okay, that's fine, Mr. Welch. Give me a chance to tell you what I really think of your wife. Will you get out and let me handle this? Hello. Hello, what? Oh, you will, huh? Okay,
1: Mr. Welsh, Anytime you think you're man enough, you... Hello? Any... Uh... Dad,
0: how do you spell hallelujah? How should I know? What do you think I am? A dictionary? Tommy, stop that, stop it. Janie, haven't you learned that silly tune yet? You play it over and over again. Now stop it, stop it!
2: I found, just, as no, just yeah. because of our age differences, Mark, yeah. which doesn't come up a lot, but... Um, <laughs> I'm to not to talk about it. <laughs> but I found It's a Wonderful Life through parodies first. Yeah, sure. So it was already it was already this iconic thing. Yeah. Like, the same way that I discovered a lot of things like, oh, The Simpsons parodied that or whatever. Like, yeah. I'd seen people be shown their lives if they weren't in it. Yeah. In parodies, in television shows and sitcoms and stuff. Yeah. And so when I finally saw it, the the emotional weight of it yeah. i wasn't expecting because i'd always seen it in parodies and comedies but even in those i think they take it they think the idea seriously that it, there's a wish of i wish this never happened or yeah, yeah, yeah. or I, I you know just to try and take away the pain it's a what, yes, it's, a what it's a what if thing it's almost like the, the you know this is only coming to my mind now but like the way that eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is similar to like i wish i could just get rid of this um
0: no, I love th- eternal sunshine. Oh my god! It's- Did
1: you know that there's a there's an uncredited Jim Belushi remake of uh, It's a Wonderful Life, and it's called something like Mister Miracle or Miracle? I mean, it is literally It's a Wonderful Life, but with Jim Belushi, and it is terrible. It's never, like, so you no, know, well, it was you know, it's you know, it one of those things that nowadays it would go straight to straight to your Netflix. Sure. Never watch this account. Mm-hmm. And I had to review it for Sight and Sound, and I was like five minutes into it thinking. They are actually remaking it to Wonderful Life with Jim Belushi, but they're pretending they're not. It's called. It's. I can't remember what the name is. It's something like Mister Miracle or Mister Magic or something, and it could, should be called Shit on a Stick because it is. Just... I was going
2: to say let's research it and find out what it's called, but I actually don't want. No, you don't want no, to no. know. I, think it's, I don't. I like
1: it's, this. <laughs> so saying, Spinal Tap, best left unsolved. <laughs> Larry Burroughs has spent his life wishing he had just hit
0: that ball. I just started a half a second sooner were you thinking about that silly baseball game again but today is larry's birthday and mr destiny has a way of making wishes come true hitting that baseball has spun your life off in an entirely new direction things have changed Larry. this is your house those are your children cindy joe's your wife happy birthday darling god
1: Right, so if we put wonderful life aside and say that's the Big undisputed Daddy. champion yeah. okay. obviously so now to be less boring
2: as you <laughs> so cruelly pointed out because obviously everyone was expecting us to be yeah. like to okay. talk about this wonderful so, life so go ahead right look <laughs> christmas is christmas movies especially yeah. are a subjective thing yeah. and i think that they are just to cut with the caveats just sure i absolutely love Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh, I okay. absolutely love it. Every single year I look forward to watching it. I th- always forget how funny I find it. I'm always just a massive fan of Jim Carrey anyway. Okay. But I think that it's one of the last movies where people did like... Fu- like that now, obviously it's been remade recently with Benedict Cumberbatch and an animated mm. version of it, which I haven't seen.
1: I didn't like it. But... It's all right, but... You know. for sure. But it's, it's all right because the story's all right. Yeah, it yeah all right yeah, because yeah, it's, yeah. you know...
2: But like... It's one of the last movies, live action, where somebody's a creature and they're head to toe in a in costume. In creature Show
1: costume, okay. Uh,
2: and I love that. Like, just even looking back at it now, just knowing where the film industry's gone, just as a nostalgic thing, I like seeing that. But also just, I think that it's sweet. I think that it's hilarious. There are, there are so many quotable lines in it, and he is so incredible. I don't know how much of it was written and how much of it was Jim Carrey doing yeah, it on yeah. the day, but all the stuff of him in his cave being like... Um, checking his diary and being like six o'clock dinner with me i can't cancel that again like all this sort of stuff and it's a similar vibe of just i'm you know a character who thinks he's not worth spending he can't spend time with other people and and then learning that he has a lot of value and lots lots of things to bring to other people is a sweet story. But I think mostly it's probably because I find it absolutely hilarious.
1: Am I right in thinking that it was released a year later here than it was in America? I oh, it, I have no idea. No, I, I may be wrong, because we're now in the... It was in the 90s, right?
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure, actually, it came out in 2000. Okay,
1: because I think, and I may be wrong... That it may have come out in 1999. Yeah, what I remember is, it ha- the movie came out at the point... That I used to be the film critic for Radio 1, and James King took over. Mm-hmm. And it was in the first year that James King, so I think it was 99, 2000. I, I may be completely misremembering this, mm-hmm. but it was back in the time when the idea of simultaneous releasing around the world hadn't actually happened, yeah. you know, in a previous era.
2: I movies... remember going to, to Florida when I was seven years old in 1999 and seeing the world is not enough in a cinema and then coming back and being confused as to why I couldn't why it
1: see it. Why
0: wasn't out, yeah. Inviting yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. me down now on such short notice Even if I wanted to go, my schedule wouldn't allow it.
2: Four o'clock, wallow in self-pity. Four thirty, stare into the abyss. Five o'clock, solve world hunger. Tell no one. Five thirty, jazzercise. Six thirty, dinner with me. I can't cancel that again. Seven o'clock, wrestle with myself loathing. I'm booked if I want the loathing to nine, I could still be done in time to lay in bed, stare at the ceiling, and slip slowly into madness.
1: But what would I wear? Well, I'm surprised by that, just because I mean, I I think I've only seen that movie once. Do you, um, how do you remember it? I remember it as being unremarkable. But right. then, but
2: then again, it's one of those movies I've watched over and yeah, over and over. But and it over.
1: may also be. I mean, I, this, this sounds stupid. I saw it having left Radio One, and I was then working at Channel Four, and I was making you know documentaries about. You know, the devils and alien and and we were doing extreme cinema my entire life seemed to be introducing movies in which people in various shades of leather committed <laughs> unspeakable acts to each other sounds a bit... so you know exactly <laughs> so so i i just remember not being particularly forced by it yeah, yeah, yeah no yeah. exactly but i mean i'll go back and watch it again if you say it's as funny as, i mean i was i was very i I gave a a fairly good kicking to Jingle All The Way, which I said, you know, it's a crusty commercial movie about the crass commercialization of Christmas and nowadays yeah. my you know like just the other day it was on in my house because my family watched that movie they think you know auto oh, Man. they think yeah. it's the funniest thing ever and also put down the cookie but, but, but also it's a thing about they said no it is actually a movie about the crass commercialization of christmas yeah. and it's smarter than you thought i i don't buy it but i do think oh, i think it's to a little bit man.
2: it's like a little bit like the room where they tried to oh make okay fine 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 i think th- i think that's what jingle all the way is like i think something it's a little a,
1: bit like the room is the definition <laughs> of damning with faint praise
2: <laughs> but i think it's, it's like it was made with one intention and because of the execution it's completely a different thing okay and it's like funny without but they were they're probably like well, it was always supposed to be this funny yeah that's kind of what okay. i okay. think jingle all the way yeah. is
1: so listen so, so it's right, so if you're going to have um grinch so i'm going to go for terry gilliams brazil which I think is, which people don't I, think I of. I haven't seen it. Okay, so Terry Gilliams Brazil, which people don't think of as a Christmas movie, okay. but it's all very specifically set at Christmas. Terry Gilliams Brazil is a version of 1984. You know, it's a dystopian future in which there is this one guy. Come on, kids, sit down by the fire. Yeah, yeah, But, That's... you know, what's the dystopian future. But there's this <laughs> one guy who has these kind of dreams, flights of fantasy, but he is basically, during the course of the movie, those flights of fantasy are fought or crushed by the state. And it begins with this with a mistake, an error, that a fly falls onto a a, a teleprint printer, and the secret services accidentally get bottle and tuttle mixed up, so it begins with the services breaking into the house of somebody who hasn't done anything at all right and taking him away and he then dies. But at the very beginning, we're in a tiny little flat in some you know municipal building block. And the kids are having this discussion and they go, Mummy, how will Father Christmas get into our apartment if we don't have a chimney? At which point the special forces drill through the ceiling, crash down, (laughs) kidnap the father who then dies. And the whole of the rest of the movie is about the fallout from this whole buttle-tuttle confusion. And during the course of the movie, Christmas happens and it ends up, this isn't a huge plot spoiler, it ends up with Sam Lowry, our hero, played by Jonathan Price his uh, superiors dressed as Santa Claus, taking him off to be tortured. So it's one of these things in which the whole movie happens within the spirit of Christmas. And every time something terrible is about to happen, you hear this chink, chink of jingle bells. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I mean, I've always loved it because it's the darkest, nastiest, bleakest Christmas movie. <laughs> and it ends up with somebody having to escape into flights of fancy because the world is so terrible and has been so poisoned by this thing. So I love it, but it is absolutely a Christmas movie. Central
0: Services. We do the work, you do the pleasure.
1: Hi there. I want to talk to you about ducts. Do your ducts seem old-fashioned? Out of date? Central Services' new duct designs are now available in hundreds of different colors to suit your individual taste. Hurry now, while stocks last to your nearest Central Services showroom. Designer colors to suit your demanding taste.
2: Okay, yeah, I, I think that that's interesting because there's that debate about Die Hard. Oh,
1: well, there's no debate there's about no de- Die Hard. There's no debate. No, there is, but okay, Yeah, fine. but it is a Christmas movie. Of course it is. We Bruce Willis know doesn't know what movie. he's talking about. Yeah,
2: I can't believe that Bruce Willis like, tried to definitively say, no, it's not a Christmas movie. Yeah. That's like the guy who created uh, the GIF says it's pronounced Jif, and I'm like, we well, you know you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, Die <laughs> but Hard. Is,
1: but there's also, it's like Scarlett Johansson. Because <laughs> you go, you know she pronounced it Johansson. That is how you pronounce it. Right? Sure, yeah. Yeah, okay. But you go, Well, it's Johansson.
2: Oh, you think it's Johansson?
1: Well, no, it's Johansson. Your name is pronounced how you how you (laughs) pronounce your name. But the fact is, you know, whenever she says it's Scarlett Johansson and Tom Wilkinson put it, he said it's Scarlett Johansson. You want to go? Is it though? Because you know,
2: it's it's like I don't think that's much of a debate going on. No, okay, okay.
1: So, Die Hard. Here's the thing with Die Hard. I mean, firstly, Bruce Willis saying it's not a Christmas movie. You go, yeah, just because you made it. Yeah, it doesn't
2: mean you know. Doesn't mean you know. It's not for you anymore. It is
1: a story that is, you know, all firstly set at Christmas in which... Um, it's first, it's the, you know, it's the Christmas carol story that he has to discover. He has to do the thing about, you know, please tell my wife that I love her and I'm so sorry that I didn't do the thing. So he has to get back. It's a story about him rescuing the princess in yep. the tower in which there's all the ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun. And in which her name is Holly. Yeah.
2: I you you <laughs> at the I end, think it snows. Christmas, yeah. And it begins yeah. with
1: the, with the, the Christmas rap thing and it snows at the end. It is absolutely a Christmas movie. And Bruce Willis is only saying it isn't because he's a plank. Yeah.
2: I absolutely love Die Hard. I came to Die Hard quite late as well. Um, I would say it's one of the best, but I wouldn't say it's like one of the ones... I, I, it's one of the ones I want to watch every single year, yeah. but it's not one of the ones I would put up there as like my favorite. Because when I think of a Christmas movie, I'm specifically thinking of like something that's putting me in a specific mood. So when I hear about... What was one of you what's Terry, Terry Gleam's one called? Brazil. Brazil. When I think about that, I'm like, I will probably watch that at some point, but it's not the sort of thing that I'm thinking he will watch at Christmas. Yeah, I'm not thinking. Okay. You know, I'm just I'm have just got this thing in my head. I've got this imagination or I've got this imagination in my head of you and your kids when they were younger being like, come on kids, we're gonna, <laughs> we're, gonna we're gonna watch Brazil. <laughs> you're gonna watch dystopian like, Fancy. Not again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, right. So you'll you'll go. Okay. Um another one that I absolutely love, again from childhood, and it's probably better in my mind because I haven't seen it for a while. But is uh, the first and only the first the Santa Claus okay. with Tim Allen okay. where wow yeah yeah okay. these, these are these are the films that I saw when no, I was a kid fair, yeah. and like grew up with um and I for a long time didn't get it uh, not not in the way you're supposed to I just thought Santa Claus was spelt with an E at the end right. I didn't know it was because it, that, that's how I saw it every single year and I didn't know it was about contracts and, and clauses you didn't and contracts. get the Santa Claus I didn't pun. get the pun when I was a kid and then as I got older I was like oh it's got layers <laughs> uh, yeah I absolutely love it I think that it's, it's Tim Allen doing a good job and then you know just before he started phoning it in I think it's a really good family story I think it's like you know parody beyond belief now the idea of like it's miracle on 34th street meets the fly sure yeah no, yeah It just it turns into santa claus
1: So <laughs> i tell you my my st- actually this may be where i'm misremembering this from in that case go on this may be why i think the grinch was released in two different years i had to go to to disneyland paris mm. to interview tim allen for the santa claus <laughs> okay, okay. No, but here's the thing okay firstly i wasn't a fan of the santa claus i'm you know no, I, I don't was, imagine
2: I, you were i was i was i was sort of you know i wasn't looking forward to bringing this up no no but
1: it's fine you know it's fine you did broad church and all that stuff so i went on the metro st- whatever it was the you know the what's the train that goes to paris uh
2: the uh eurostar the eurostar. The
1: eurostar went on the eurostar to paris took forever got to uh, Disney, Johnny Vaughan was there. And my main memory of the day is that before we got to interview Tim Allen for like eight minutes, they let you go on Disneyland. So I went on a bunch of roller coasters with Johnny Vaughan, which was a weird (laughs) thing, because I don't don't really know Johnny Vaughan very well, but we spent a day hanging out at Disneyland. And I just wanted to be home. And it took a very long time to get there. It took a very- You sound like you're in a Christmas movie. Yeah, it took a very, very long time to get back. And in the middle of it, I spent nine minutes interviewing Tim Allen about a film which I didn't like. And he was the end of the day and he was quite tired and mm-hmm. he wasn't very good and then when i got back it turned out the dat machine hadn't recorded DAT machine was a digital audio tape recorder it's one of those things that you pressed a number of buttons you know you, when i started there was reel to reel tape recorders mm-hmm. and you could see the reels going round, so you knew it was recording you had to turn it yourself you had to turn it yourself exactly <laughs> but with a dat machine you didn't know if it was working and sometimes it wasn't like quite regularly it wasn't anyway so i came back without an interview with tim allen and they for the went, best I think for really. the best exactly and I remember radio 1 saying how was it and I went it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> we was got a nothing sa- a sacking offense but you
0: know I know you're Scott Calvin you know you're Scott Calvin so let's make this simple I say name you say Scott Calvin name Chris Kringle. name Santa Claus name Père Noël, Babo Natale, Père Nicole, Papa Gijo. Okay, Calvin. Maybe a couple hours in the tank will change your mind.
1: There is another movie that I always associate with that period, which is the, 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 the film uh, starring Jim Varney. Which is Ernest Saves Christmas, right? Which I think of at about the same time, and I, which was as an example of how bad it was. As far as I remember, it came out here at Easter. And Ernest Saves Christmas is a terrible film starring this guy who was famous for doing a series of adverts for a postal company or something in America, and I never found him funny. But the only thing I remember about it is that in the middle of the film, he gets a job as an extra in a Christmas horror movie. Mm -hmm. And I repeat this all the time. It's the the Christmas horror movie that I wish existed. It was called Christmas Slay, S-L-A-Y. And the tagline was, he knows if you've been bad or good, and he's got an
2: axe. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see that. I know, I know, so that's <laughs> the that one so thing funny. I always
1: wanted to see, but I never I, never I want that, that to
2: be a piece of dialogue. The thing that I remember now about the Santa Claus as well, and the thing that I, because I, I, you know, I have an awareness about the fact that it's yeah. not great, but I find it funny that the actual storyline of the movie is that uh, Tim Allen's son, who's called Charlie, because all kids in Christmas movies are called, called Charlie. Charlie um, he isn't interested in spending time with his dad he like it's not like always you know he's, he's a father who doesn't try very hard he tries very very hard to try and please his son he's not great at it he's not a great dad but his son is so uninterested in him until he starts to become literally Santa Claus. That's what it takes to get his kid's attention. Or or, or
1: what I take away from that is he's not uninterested in him until he starts to put
2: on weight. that's that's how how he becomes Santa Claus, is he puts on weight. But I like that the movie, like for a long time, is treating it like, are you okay? Because this is weird that you're doing this (laughs) to try and get your son's attention. It is very, very funny to be able to sort of treat it with that lens of like, he might not be okay.
1: Okay, so um, so my ch- my choice now, Gremlins, which is back in cinemas at the Brilliant. moment. Brilliant. Not least because it has the darkest version of the Santa Claus coming down the chimney story I have ever heard. <laughs> because that whole speech, which ends up with it saying, and that's when I discovered there was no Santa Claus because basically the father has come home drunk, died in the <laughs> chimney, and then been slowly cooked over the festive... <laughs> sophisticated... I mean, I remember watching that and thinking good lord this yeah. is the
2: this is this uh, is pg
1: <laughs> but it, i mean it was really dark. i mean there's a the thing about the old lady being fired out of the window on the stanist stairlift, but that's which is
2: just kind that's of silly
1: but the story about that's yeah. how i discovered there was no father could i mean that's kind of almost like something out of a john waters movie mm-hmm. it's such a really really dark. i mean i remember watching it in the cinema going no <laughs> really is yeah, that yeah, where yeah, it's yeah, going yeah. but i love that film and i love it because it's that because it was taking a pickaxe to all those kind of, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm a, I love *It's a Wonderful Life*, but I like the, I like the darker. I think stuff.
2: It, I think that was in the era as well, wasn't it, when like Spielberg was like behind the scenes on a lot of stuff and like putting his sensibilities into into movies, even if he wasn't the, du- he didn't direct *Gremlins*, did no, he? No, no, no. No, he's a producer on it's it. Joe though. Dante. But he's a producer on *Gremlins*. Yes, I
1: think so. Yeah, I yeah. think it's yeah. yeah. And uh,
2: that that was in the sort of same era, at least in my head, as things, and it probably is quite far apart from from things like um, Poltergeist. Well,
1: it's not a million miles yeah. away, because it's, I mean, you know, Poltergeist is, I mean, Poltergeist was famously the film that gave us the PG-13 certificate, because right. it was past PG, and everyone went, that's a PG? Mm. The bit with all the corpses coming out of the swimming pool. <laughs> and the bit with the mad clown under the bed that strangles the little kid. Yeah. And the bit with the little girl getting sucked into the vortex that looks like a massive interstellar uterus. It's like, what? That's a PG movie. Just make sure
0: you watch it with an adult. <laughs> <laughs> it was Christmas Eve. I was nine years old. Me and Mom were, were decorating the tree, waiting for Dad to come home from work. A couple hours went by. Dad wasn't home. His mom called the office. No answer. Christmas Day came and went, and still nothing. So the police began a search. Four or five days went by. Neither one of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing, so I went to try to light up the fire. And that's when I noticed the smell. The firemen came and broke through the chimney top. And me and Mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird. And instead, they pulled out my father. He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. He'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve. His arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He slipped and broke his neck. Died instantly. And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus.
2: right uh my final choice is home alone oh okay yeah very good. obviously very good yeah um it's yeah i could watch that any time of year though home alone but i try to limit it to christmas yeah um i love john hughes so much i discovered john hughes in my teens and he's one of the reasons i got into university because i went to university and to the, one of these film interview things where all the class was asked to bring who's your favourite uh, filmmaker and most people there said Steven Spielberg and I was like have you not tried I was like H- why, have you, why are you here and I brought up John Hughes and said that how much I love the sensibilities that yeah. he brings to films and the things that I'd noticed even stylistically that every single one of his films ends with a freeze frame but, like, just things like that I just found interesting at that, at that yeah. age and then Home Alone I didn't know was essentially a John Hughes film because yeah. I'd always yeah, just yeah. watched it and never really paid attention to the credits, and so as I got older, the more and more I, I, I appreciated to it.
1: Unfilmed a Chris Columbus, yes,
2: <laughs> the, the director of the best Harry Potters. Um, <laughs> well, the first Harry <laughs> Potters. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I I think it's so just it's just great isn't it. Like I, I there's there's so many best bits in it that I don't know if I can like pick what my favorite parts of it are.
1: It's really brutal, that's what I like about it. I mean yeah. the slaps the slapstick really hurts. Yeah. It is it's, that it's kind horrific. of It's terrific. It's Tex Avery going kind of bang. The you know.
2: the uh Lost in New York, which yeah. I don't think is as good. Um it's essentially the same film again, but they've just turned it up to 11. Yeah. And it's it's psychopathic in that if you watch it that that way in the, uh, with the second film, it's like okay, this kid's going to have some problems when he gets older. Yeah, I think yeah, we should yeah. be This is like Rob Zombie's Halloween like he's like he's <laughs> killing animals like he's, he's, he's close to that <laughs> but you, the first one I yeah I, the first one I think is have I bored you with my home alone two story I don't think you have
1: So this nothing is, you do is this, boring this is tr- thank you This is a true story when Linda and I were first together or married early on mm-hmm. we were in New York and it was summertime and we were walking through New York and it was really magical and you know we were in love and it was you at Central Park and it started snowing. Wonderful. In the middle of the summer. Oh, wait. I know where this is going. <laughs> and it was the snow blowing off the set where they were filming Home Alone 2 in the, in the hotel yeah. in the corner of the park. Yeah. And it was... So we literally got snowed upon by Home Alone 2 snow. That. Well, that is not a boring story no, it's
2: in not, any is it? way. No, not at all. That's great.
0: Get the hell out of here. All right, Johnny. But
2: what about my money? What money?
0: AC said you had some
1: dough for me.
2: Matter of fact, how much do I owe you? AC said 10%. Too bad AC ain't in charge no more. What do you mean? He's upstairs taking a bath. He'll call you when he gets out. Hey, I tell you what, I'm going to give you snakes. Snake. I'm going to give you to the count of 10 to get your ugly, yellow, no good keister off my property. Before I pump your guts full of lead. All right, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm going. One, two, ten.
0: <laughs> Keep the change, you filthy animal.
1: Which means I'm going to finish off this round in that case by Love Actually.
2: Yeah, I'll I, give you that.
1: I just love Love Actually. And I yeah. know, you know, I've, I've had, read so many things about people saying, oh, it's this and oh, it's that and oh, it's blah dee blah blah. And I don't care. And Love Actually is one of those films, you know, people often accuse me of being somebody who makes decisions about movies based entirely on the politics of the films. And yet I have read so many dissections of all the things that are wrong with Richard Curtis movies and all the terrible ways in which they're, you know, retrograde and say, and I don't care i don't care because mm. i believe in the magic of them and i think for two reasons firstly the scene in love actually when emma thompson cries yep. is one of the one of the greatest things in cinema. In, the, in cinema yeah and it i would, really is. i would say no matter what you think about the whole of the rest of the movie i, I don't care because her crying yep. in that scene
2: is just i was hoping you genius. were going to bring that up um because if you weren't i was gonna because um, <laughs> i i agree i think that that whole film hangs on that moment oh
1: um just pierces my heart it is, every time yeah it is shattering and then she does the thing that she sh- she shakes her hands the and then she, then she goes back out again normal. and she goes like come on oh yeah. you know
0: oh,
2: they're all ready i you know and that uh, you know and and i think as well especially for for women um from what i've heard um i think that that moment is especially telling for like how they feel and how and and, and how truthful that moment is um i just think it I just think it's universally... It's the, it's the fact that she goes, that she,
1: oh, yes, I, would you just excuse me a minute, I've just got to... And then she goes off the and she, and it's genius because there's nothing else in the room other than her. And she does this and it's
2: wordless and it's, but it's the whole show, don't it, tell It thing. might be Richard Curtis's greatest... Yeah, I mean... I I mean th- we've I, already said it's the, one of the greatest things in cinema because it, it is so beautiful. And I, I think what's so heartbreaking about it as well is that she is using the Christmas present. As well which doesn't get talked about a lot in yeah, that yeah. moment but like she's got the christmas present she wasn't expecting and that means that, it's that, that means the other one has gone head, gave... but she is also using this christmas present and it's actually having the reverse effect
1: i just i i honestly think it's and I, I spoke to emma freud once who's um you know richard curtis's uh script editor and partner and emma freud said that when they were shooting that scene she was lying down on the floor by the side of the bed because she was you know doing and I said, I presume you did it once. She said, no, we did it four times. And wow. she said every single time Edmund Thompson did that. Did well, that.
0: Presents only each tonight? Who's got one for Dad? I am. No, uh, let Mummy go first. Okay, I'll get it. I'll get it. No, 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 no. I want to choose mine. I want to choose mine. I think I want... <laughs> this one. I have, of course, bought the traditional scarf as well, but this is my other slightly special, personal one. Thank you. That's a real first. Rip it! What rip is it? it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to it. Alright, I'll rip it. Please. God, that's a surprise.
1: What is it? <laughs> it's
0: a CD. Joni Mitchell, wow. To continue your emotional education. Yes, <laughs> goodness, that's great, my brilliant wife. Ah, yes.
2: Actually, um, do you mind if I just absent myself for a second? All that ice cream, uh, Darling, could you make, just make sure the kids are ready to go? All right, no, I'll be back fine, in a minute. Mom. You're all right.
0: Moons and, and, the dizzy dancing whale
1: and also, and I don't care what anyone thinks about this. Go on. I love Hugh Grant dancing through 10 Downing Who Street.
2: Doesn't Who doesn't like does that? It's just great. Hey, I, every single time, the cutoff of the music and him going, wow. It's like that meeting with this is just. He's great in that. Oh, my God. I yeah. love Hugh Grant.
1: Like, yeah, no, so do I.
2: I. I all of it, the, the bumblingness of it, like, I actually...
1: I would like him to be Prime Minister. I'd like Minister. him to be Prime Minister,
2: yeah, if I could vote for him. And
1: I'd like him to do the speech <laughs> that he does to the evil American president, yes. played so brilliantly by Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. Well, it seems
2: like Hugh Grant is taking that role on, right at the moment, in twi- yeah, yeah, on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. He is trying to sort of inspire that hope at the moment. Um. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think Love Actually is great. I have a similar relationship with Richard Curtis, where I like most of his stuff I have a problem with about time because I enjoyed that movie and I was enjoying the sort of the the sort of uh, the feeling of it all but it it created a rule in time travel and then broke it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, but you created that rule. That's the one rule. I was like, okay, I get it. That's the one rule you've created and everything else is up for grabs. But then you broke it. And I was like, how am I supposed to I, I don't know. I, that just that I know there is me. the
1: whole but once you get into the timey-wimey thing, yeah. it's it's you have you and have to stick you,
2: rigidly to totally, it. Totally. You you get your own rules. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like Richard Curtis's uh, movies mostly and I think that Love Actually is no exception. I think it's an essential Christmas watch. Good. All right, so Love Actually, we're agreed on. It's a Wonderful Life, yeah. we're
1: agreed on. Die I'll, Hard, we're agreed on. Die Hard, we're agreed on. I will give uh, the Ron Howard Grinch a yeah. second look. When you we were... had,
2: this is just a funny story, when we had, uh, we did a project a few years ago with Ron Howard and Brian Grazer's company. Right, and we being you and Dean. Me and Dean, yeah. yeah and we were, because I don't know if I've mentioned, but I'm in a comedy duo called Jack Have and you Dean. You
1: never mentioned
2: it <laughs> And we did a project with them, and we luckily at one point got to, go for dinner with Ron Howard uh, and it was at his favorite restaurant in central London and we had this little section cornered off it was me and Dean and a bunch of other people who were working in, on mm. similar things and Ron Howard turned up we're all in like we're like suited and booted and, and he's he wearing the baseball cap baseball cap yes. you know you know do what you want Ron Howard and he had it his dinner. Fresh, you can do whatever he wants. <laughs> and then he <laughs> and then he left earlier than everybody else fine yeah. but Dean had, had a few wines at this point and just as he was about to go, he sort of just tapped him and said, I just need to tell you, I, I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself, but I think that The Grinch is one of the greatest, it's one of my fa- favourite films. And Ron Howard was so taken back by this compliment that it, he was like, oh, oh th- okay, thank you. Because I hear that making it wasn't fun. Oh, right, okay. And there was a, there's a point, there was a day where Jim Carrey was complaining so much about wearing the Grinch costume that Ron Howard did it as well and directed for the day dressed as The Grinch. So they were both in full Grinch head-to-toe outfit. Um, So yeah, like that was just a funny story. Lars von
1: Trier's version of that was he directed the naked scenes from The Idiots when he was naked. (laughs) To which the thing is, Lars, that's just you. You don't need to do that. (laughs) If you directed them dressed as the Grinch, I would have bought it. But running around and saying- I would love that. (laughs) That's just weird. All right, well, happy Christmas, Jack, and I'll see you in the new year. Merry Christmas.